26th of June 2006, Canning Vale, Western Australia. An eight-year-old girl is at the Livingston Shopping Centre with her uncle, brother and sister. Also at the shopping centre was pure evil. What would happen that day would shock the nation. This is the story of the murder of Sophia Shu. Hi, I'm your host Cambo. Grab a beer and pull up a deck chair. This is True Crime Island, another true crime podcast. So tonight, Islanders, I bring you such a sad and shocking story. I will say that this may upset some people, as it does deal with the murder of a child, so please be warned. I'll let you know when the bit you may want to skip over happens. Okay, so you would think that taking a shopping trip to the local shopping centre would be a relatively safe thing to do. But sometimes even the safest places can be where the evilists of evil will lurk. On the 26th of June 2006, at Livingston Market Shopping Centre at Canning Vale, which is about 20 kilometres south of Perth in Western Australia, which is also about 12 miles in the old measurement, little eight-year-old Sophia Shu was out shopping with her uncle, brother and sister. Sophia told her uncle that she needed to go to the toilet and so she walked along the corridor towards the toilets as her family waited in the main shopping area. After a few minutes, they became concerned as Sophia seemed to be taking longer than necessary. Sophia's brother walked up the corridor and called out for Sophia at the entrance to the ladies' toilet area. There was no response. He walked back along the corridor and he heard movement in the disabled cubicle. The door was locked and showed occupied on the handle, but he knocked on the door and called out for Sophia, but got no response. Sophia's brother then walked back to the rest of the family. They then began to search the shopping centre for little Sophia. With no luck, and only ten minutes after Sophia had first left the family to go to the toilet, Sophia's brother went back along the corridor towards the toilets, and this time he saw that the disabled toilet door was unlocked and open. He approached and opened the door to look inside. What he was to see would scar him for life. Now warning, this bit is nasty. On the floor of the cubicle was his little sister Sophia's lifeless naked body. Her limbs so severely contorted that both her legs were broken and her left arm was dislocated. Her throat was severely compressed and her larynx crushed. She had been strangled. She had also suffered a perennial tear. The injuries to her legs and arms were caused by the perp as he ripped her clothing off her and the strangulation as he tried to muffle her screams. Sophia's brother raised the alarm and the police were immediately informed. 
They closed the entire area and commenced a forensic examination in and around the disabled toilet area. During the early hours of the following morning, a forensic expert obtained a fingerprint from a wash basin in the cubicle. They got a match. It was the fingerprint of 21-year-old Dante Wyndham Arthurs. He worked at the Livingston Shopping Centre as an overnight shelf stacker. Not the sharpest knife in the drawer, he had repeated year 11 at school, but it had gone on to complete a TAFE course. TAFE stands for Technical and Further Education, where you can get vocational education, but not a degree like you do at university. Dante was born in Australia, but his family moved to England in 1993 and returned to Western Australia in 2001. The reason for that, you will hear about later. Police arrived at his home with a search warrant at 4.30am on the morning of the 27th of June. Dante's parents answered the door and let the police in. While one of the policemen explained to the parents why they were there, the other walked up to Dante's bedroom where he was found asleep in his bed. Police made him sit on the edge of the bed and placed his arms behind his back in handcuffs. The detectives then advised Dante's parents that their son would be coming with us. Dante's father then pointed his finger at the detective senior sergeant and demanded that a solicitor be present while his son was interviewed. The detective senior sergeant replied that Dante would be given his rights. This caused an immediate reaction from Dante's mother, who loudly shouted a number of times to the effect that her son had not been given his rights last time. I hear you all say, last time? Yes. I'll get back to that a little later on. This Dante Wyndham Arthurs had his prints on record for a reason. And that whole fuck-up will bring on the rage. So the detective senior sergeant and the father entered Dante's bedroom. Dante was still on the edge of the bed handcuffed, surrounded by the other detectives. He was asked to identify the clothing that he had been wearing the previous day. All of this was being captured on video by a video operator. Then the detective sergeant and the video operator left the room, but the father insisted that he stay there with Dante. But he was persuaded to leave the room while Dante's mum was shouting to the detectives that we do not trust you anymore. At 5.15am, Dante was driven to Cannington Police Station and taken to an interview room. He was interviewed for three hours. In the first part of the interview, Dante was asked about his background and movements on the day before. Dante appeared to be fairly calm and relatively relaxed. Dante confirmed that he was employed as a shelf stacker at the Livingston Shopping Centre and that he had been working there between 3am and 8am on the 26th of June 2006. He had then gone home to bed and had slept until 11am or 12 noon. 
After eating lunch, he had driven to the Carousel Shopping Centre where he did some banking. He then drove to the Livingston Shopping Centre where he went to the Big W store to look for board games. Now this was in effect the first admission that the applicant made in the interview because it placed him near the scene of the crime at around the time that it occurred. After he had looked at board games for a while, he decided that he could not afford to buy any and decided to drive home. When he arrived home, his mother asked him to buy some grocery items and he then returned to the Carousel shopping centre once again. While at Carousel, he also filled his car with petrol. Dante was then questioned in greater detail about his movements at the Livingston Shopping Centre and he was shown a floor plan of the centre. At the request of the detectives, he pointed out the toilets on the floor plan and he was obviously familiar with their location by reason of working in the centre. Dante was then told that his fingerprint had been found on the wash basin in the disabled toilet and that the wash basin had been cleaned at 3pm the previous day. What followed in the interview would largely become inadmissible due to persistent importunity or sustained or undue insistence or pressure by police conducting the interview. Now, the gist of the interview was that Dante could remember in pretty good detail everything he did that day. However, when it came down to whether or not he could remember what he did to Sophia in the toilet, he said he couldn't remember, and this went on and on each time police asked him what he did to her. Also, it came out that he had become angry after a fight with his mother. This, it seems, is what made him take out his anger on little Sophia. Now, as the media reports of this horrific crime started to filter out, it was described as the most horrific murder in Western Australia since the David and Catherine Burney murder rampage in the 80s. There was also a rumour that Dante was in fact one of the child murderers convicted of the murder of James Bulger in the, in the UK in 1993. It was being alleged that Dante was in fact Robert Thompson, who at 10 years of age was convicted of murdering James Bulger, given a new identity and then transported to Australia. This prompted the British High Commission to release a media statement which in part said There is no connection between the man arrested in Western Australia and the individuals involved in the Jane Bulger case. Australia has not taken British convicts since 1868. It was then revealed that Dante had been investigated for a sexual assault three years earlier in 2003, against another eight-year-old girl. These charges were dropped due to insufficient evidence and incorrect police interviewing techniques. Also, it was found that the shorts that Dante was wearing in the 2003 assault 
had traces of blood on them that was not picked up in the initial investigation. But the Director of Public Prosecutions refused to consider charges against Dante because of the, pol- the police had been too robust in interviewing him and that a conviction was unlikely. So, in 2003... Dante gets off on the first sexual assault of an eight-year-old, mainly because the police fucked up the investigation. Three years later, he's arrested in relation to the murder of another eight-year-old, Sophia, and the interview by police is so incompetent that most of it is deemed inadmissible in court. For fuck's sake, guys, I know it must be frustrating when interviewing scum like Dante, but we as a community rely on you being able to cross your T's and dot your I's well enough to be able to get this scum off the street and not let them go on technicalities. So, Dante is finally charged with willful murder, two counts of sexual penetration of a child, and deprivation of liberty. Now I'll explain willful murder, as at the time Western Australia had three general offences for homicide. Willful murder is an unlawful killing with an intention to kill, and murder is an unlawful killing with an intention to do grievous bodily harm. Generally, an unlawful killing without either of these intentions is manslaughter. The only exception to this general rule is felony murder, sometimes referred to as constructive murder. In the case of felony murder, the accused is convicted of murder even though he or she did not intend to harm anyone. In general terms for felony murder, liability for murder attaches because the accused caused the death of a person by a dangerous act committed for an unlawful purpose. So, with all this media attention and aggressive interviewing techniques by police, it was getting to the stage where a fair and successful trial was becoming almost impossible. On the 28th of June, 2006, Dante's home was vandalised with windows being smashed by rocks thrown at the house following his address being divulged on air during a popular Perth talk radio show. In the end, Dante would be given a bench trial rather than trial by jury. Chief Justice Wayne Martin said that the extensive, continuous and in some respects extraordinary pre-trial media coverage, the circumstances of the offence and the fact that a judge would provide reasons for his or her decision supported a trial by judge alone. Hence, it was agreed that Dante would be heard by a judge alone and not a jury, which isn't a, a bad state of affairs. At this time, Dante's lawyers were in discussions with the Director of Public Prosecutions regarding his plea status. In August 2007, they agreed that Dante would plead guilty to the lesser charge of murder instead of willful murder 
and one charge of unlawful detention. The two counts of sexual penetration of a child under the age of 10 were withdrawn because forensic analysis could not conclude if Sophia had been sexually assaulted before or after she died. You see, that charge is only valid if you are alive, not dead. That's weird, but I guess rather than push the point, it was better to go ahead with the main charge rather than fight the lesser charges. On the 17th of September 2007, Dante pleaded guilty in the Supreme Court to charges of murder and unlawful detention. So some of the evidence that police were able to discover when they raided Dante's home would make your blood chill. They found photographs and details of potential child victims. There was a bag with documents containing photos and details of another number of young girls and female clothing in small sizes. Dante had collected ages, addresses and directions to their homes. The bag also contained gloves, handcuffs, packing tape, a rope and a small knife. He had been stalking up to a dozen girls all under the age of 15 years. When Palich approached one of the families whose daughters were on the list, it was found that Dante had already phoned their grand-uncle, asking if he knew where the girls lived. This Dante shitbag was a serial killer in the making. Sophia was not on his list, Rather, she was an opportunistic bid by Dante to touch the girl sexually when she appeared at the toilet door as he was leaving. His lawyer told the court that Dante had no clear recollection of what happened, but could see pictures in his head of doing things to the girl. He said Dante admitted wanting to touch the girl sexually, but denied wanting to kill her. Warning, this bit is nasty. He recalled seeing his hands around a throat and panicked when he noticed she had stopped breathing. He tried to revive her with mouth-to-mouth resuscitation and shook her violently when she did not respond. He watched himself go across to her to remove her clothing and insert one finger into the vagina. Now when they did psych tests on Dante they did find that he may be suffering from Asperger's Syndrome. Wikipedia says Asperger's Syndrome, or AS, also known as Asperger's, is a developmental disorder characterised by significant difficulties in social interaction and non-verbal communication, along with restricted and repetitive patterns of behaviour and interests. Regardless of his Asperger's, I call bullshit on his so-called recollections. He knew exactly what he was doing. Let's not forget that her limbs were so severely contorted that both her legs were broken and her left arm was dislocated. Her throat was severely compressed and her larynx crushed. Now before I get to the sentence, once Dante pleaded guilty, 
it was publicly confirmed that he was under investigation by British police for sexually assaulting another girl in 2001. Dante was never charged with this incident because he left Britain for Australia with his family before an identity parade could take place. So let me get this straight. British police had him under investigation for sexually assaulting a girl in 2001, but he took off to Australia before they had a chance to stick him in an identity parade and failed to let the Australian police or even immigration officials know so they could do something about it. Then in 2003, police botch an investigation into Dante sexually assaulting another eight-year-old girl and no charges are filed against him. Then he's able to get a job at a shopping centre as a shelf stacker where there are hundreds and thousands of kids in and out of there day in and day out. And now, in 2006, he's charged over the death of little Sophie, only eight years old. I'll just read out a statement Dante's mother gave to reporters after he got in trouble over the 2003 incident. Now, this is the mother, Suzanne Arthurs, that just by some amazing coincidence fled England, oh, sorry, I mean left England in 2001 before police could put Dante in a lineup over an incident with a child. She said her baby-faced 21-year-old son, Dante, did not have a criminal record. She also said he hasn't got a violent bone in his body. Yet we hear you, Suzanne. Your only excuse for you being that stupid is that you're trying to protect your son. Okay, so Dante has pleaded guilty to charges of murder and unlawful detention. On the 7th of November 2007, Dante was sentenced to life in prison with a non-parole period of 13 years. He was also sentenced to two years for depriving Sophia of her liberty to be served concurrently. So, non-parole of only 13 years. Normally, I would be full of rage at this point, but the only way he can get out as if his release papers are signed off by the West Australian Attorney General. And it looks like no Attorney General is going to do that. So he should be locked up for life. Now, what came out of this shocking murder? Well, first of all, it was found that the security cameras at the Livingston Marketplace that were pointed towards the toilets were broken and had not been fixed. Now, this would not have stopped Dante killing Sophia, but it would have shown him dragging her into the disabled toilet block. With this evidence, police would not have had to pressure Dante as much during the interview, and therefore, the evidence they may have been able to get out of Dante had less chance of becoming inadmissible as most of the interview they conducted ended up. I mean, he could have walked and been let out on the streets like what happened with Michael Atkins in the Matt Levison case when police bungled that investigation. Another thing that came out of all of this was the techniques used by police when interviewing suspects was reviewed. 
basically, they needed to make sure they did the right thing so that evidence obtained would not be thrown out in court. The, re- the media really needed to have a good look at the way they report these crimes, as regardless of how much of a scumbag the accused is, they are still innocent until found guilty. Bad reporting interferes with the concept of a fair trial. Everyone deserves a fair trial. There were changes to the offences of willful murder and murder. The charges of willful murder and murder were repealed and a single charge of murder was created to include more severe penalty options. Though a distinction between an intent to murder and non-intent was still included, the sentencing considerations were dramatically altered. The new legislation calls for an ability to impose a never-to-be-released clause as well as a change in the minimum sentence that can be imposed before release on parole can be considered. For murder with intent, the minimum sentence is 20 years and for murder without approved intent or manslaughter, it is 15 years. Finally, the West Australian Government set up a public sex offender registry. Now, the register will allow anyone to access photographs of repeat or dangerous sex offenders by putting their postcodes in a police website. Access names, dates of birth, photographs and aliases of any child sex offenders being sought by West Australia Police following a breach of bail or reporting conditions. They'll allow people to ask police if a person who has unsupervised contact with their children for more than three days a year is on the register. Now, Dante would not have been on the register unless, of course, the British police had done the right thing and pursued Dante over the issue with the young girl in England that they wanted to, him to do a police lineup for. And if police hadn't botched the earlier sexual assault on the girl before he murdered Sophia. But it is a step in the right direction. So, Islanders, this first case for 2018 was horrific and it was such a waste. What disturbs me the most is how in just minutes this little girl's life was snuffed out by an opportunistic piece of shit. How he was able to break her body up just like that in minutes. I mean, what did he get out of it? What was the point? Why didn't the cops keep an eye on him, especially when he worked at a shopping centre where he had access to so many children? His parents are just as much to blame. I reckon they fled England after he was wanted by the cops over an incident with that little girl. The cops aren't going to put him in a lineup unless they have some sort of idea that he did something. So I reckon his parents knew full well what a sicko their son was, especially after the incident with the eight-year-old girl three years before when the charges against him were dropped. I wonder if, he, if they knew he had files on all those girls which included photos, phone numbers and addresses. We won't, we'll never know, and it doesn't really matter now. The harm is done, and Dante should be locked up until he's dead. Sophia was just a lovely little eight-year-old schoolgirl that was loved, and she's sorely missed by her family and friends. 
She just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time when an evil predator happened by. It only took seconds for her to be abducted and within minutes she was dead. So watch out for your little ones. There are so many lowlifes out there in the world. So that's about all for this week's episode. I'll just end it with Boomfuckalunga. You can leave your comments on my Facebook. Just search for True Crime Island. Also, I'm on Twitter and Instagram with the handle at True Crime Island. I'd like to shout out to the island's new Patreon and PayPal contributors. Jess Huey, Jen Cooper, Amory, Tiffany up to a donation, Pat O'Dowd, who I think was last seen pushing his holding up the road, Lewis Peel Butler, Jody Peterson, X and Janine. A big shout out to Julie B. You know who you are and I'm progressing well with things and if you want to support True Crime Island, you can either pledge to patreon.com forward slash true crime island or donate one off to the island paypal which is cambo at truecrimeisland.com i'll be posting out december awards this week as i've said before i will keep the show commercial free and all the donations go to the island and they go all back into the show currently i'm buying a new pc to replace the old one that died and i should have it in the next couple of weeks I thank everyone for your generosity and keeping the lights on. But you can also support the island by rating and reviewing and sharing the podcast. So spread the love. I do have stickers and a few beer coolers left. They aren't on the merchandise merchandise shop where you can buy the mugs of rage and t-shirts and bags and stuff. Rather, I do post them out from True Crime Island HQ. So email me or message me if you want to grab some of those. Links to the merchandise is on my website, truecrimeisland.com or go to truecrimeisland.threadless.com. Grab some boomfuckalunga <laughs> wear or a mug of rage. I'd like to shout out to my mate DJ Andrew who provided the new theme music. I hope you like it. The outro music is a little different, so don't speed through that at the end. Another shout out to Michael Gerlach, who is something for all of us very soon. I wish everyone a happy new year, not only from myself, but the lovely Katie and Bubby the Island Cat. So I do have one promo for tonight, Hidden Staircase, murder mysteries and stories you probably have never heard before. So that's all I have for tonight. I'm your host Cambo, and you've been listening to True Crime Island. And as I always say, Don't forget to delete your browser history. Good night. anything to say on why you should not die according to the law?
Mysteries. A dreadful accident has happened at Flannan's. The three keepers, Ducket, Marshall, and the occasional have disappeared from the island. Join us at the Hidden Staircase podcast, where every two weeks I will bring you stories and cases you've probably never heard. You can find us on iTunes and wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to lock your doors and hold tight to your flashlight.